So this episode was inspired by a video that I had received from my mom. It featured a young man in northern Nigeria who had come up with some sort of mixture of whatever chemicals that he was selling that where he had claimed that it cured illnesses or diseases or whatever. He'd created, he had concocted some sort of medicine. Anyway, um, as you watch the video, he is being confronted by a rapidly growing mob. And as you watch the video, the person who is filming him asks him to take the liquid and pour some of the liquid onto a styrofoam container. And so he pours the liquid into the styrofoam container. Nothing happens. But then the slowly increasing crowd chants, shake up the bottle, shake up the bottle. And so the individual who was filming him tells him to shake the bottle up and then pour the liquid again. So upon shaking the bottle the second time and pouring it over, pouring the liquid over the styrofoam, the styrofoam begins to melt. Now, at that point, the crowd starts to get a little bit upset, a little bit belligerent, understandably so, considering the fact that he was trying to sell this <laughs> this concoction um, to, as medicine, and who knows who drank that. Um, but, so she shares this video with me, my mom shares this video with me, and I noted something interesting. And so I forwarded the message, the video, to uh, a couple of my friends and I asked them, watch this video and tell me what's the first thing that popped into your mind as you're watching this video. And I got different answers. You know, one of my friends basically said, well, you know, he was more focused on the crowd and he was saying like he was expecting the crowd to do something to him, you know. And then at one point he, you know, another one of my friends says, well, the the people think that like he was doing something like magical or something like that because he didn't understand the context in the video, like that the guy had been trying to pass this off as medicine. And I said, no, no, no. No, they understand what's going on. They're upset at him because he was trying to sell off this concoction. And so I kind of asked all my friends, what What are you thinking when you see this video? And, you know, kind of more of the same thing, like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Whoa, you know, like sort of those type of reactions. And then um, another one of my friends asked me, well, what are you thinking? Like, obviously, we know how you, your mind works, Joe. So if you're asking this question, you're asking it for a reason. And I said, yes, you're absolutely right. I am asking for this reason. And my reason is this. Throughout watching this video, nobody between you, between the person filming this, between us talking about it, none of you have stopped and taken a step back and realized that this guy has basically discovered a way to break down styrofoam. Let me rewind. We have a styrofoam issue in this world right because styrofoam much like plastic doesn't break down um it lasts forever it's it's you know bad for the environment and here i am watching a video where this guy has mixed together put together some sort of concoction that yes he was trying to sell it off as a medicine and yes you could tell by his reactions that he knew that if you shook it 
it created a different <laughs> it created a different result than if you just poured it on the styrofoam. But that's besides the point. And it's only besides the point because of the fact that like all all of the innovations, pretty much all of the innovations that we have right now from penicillin to germ theory, whatever you want to most just to avoid, you know, over emphasis, most of our innovations of modern time stem from somebody trying to do one thing and then accidentally discovering something else. Most of our discoveries have come from that. If you want to say, if you want to say penicillin, if you want to even say um, Columbus, right? Trying to do one thing and discovering something else. And so I'm sitting here watching a video and I'm thinking somewhere in Northern Africa, a young man has put together a chemical that could have potentially helped to save our environment, right? He has come up with a thing that can basically, if you shake it, right? If you don't shake it, it behaves in one way. If you shake it, it behaves in a different way. And and if you shake it and you pour it over styrofoam, it melts styrofoam. It turns styrofoam into nothing. It liquidates it very quickly in an instant. That, if you would have taken that individual and put him in the United States, that guy would be a millionaire right now. And it's a recent video, so he's out there somewhere. But think about how as a as a race of individual human beings, as an entire culture, right? A race of human beings. Um, so many innovations are lost to us as a society because they are being created by and lost in people, in cultures, um, in the quote unquote third world. It kind of broke my heart a little bit watching that because I'm thinking, who knows what they end up doing to the guy? You know what I mean? Because it was, you know, mob mentality, a small crowd, and you have a group of people who are seeing this happen and thinking, holy shit, like I bought that, I put that in my body. What do I have? And then, you know, superstition comes in and all these other things and, you know, people get reactive. So no one's going to know, no one's ever going to know what he put together, assuming he's still alive, um, but he's probably more than likely not alive. Um, Unfortunately, it's unfortunate to say that, but no one is going to know what he put together to come up with that chemical that basically in a different hemisphere could have changed the world. This guy came up with something that liquidates, evaporates styrofoam in an instant and it's gone. And it just made me think like, what else? What else is humanity collectively missing out on because of the way society is sort of stressed, you know, set up right now, right? And what I mean by that is we have been programmed through this 
mindset of white supremacy. All of us have been, it's, it's systemic white supremacy. We have been collectively programmed to view things as things that emerge from the quote-unquote third world, from people of color as not as important or it just even in a, in a different lens than, say, a quote-unquote innovation in, you know, created by a Westerner, more particularly a white Westerner, right? A white American or a white European. You take those same exact chemicals, you put them in the hands of, say, a Swede or a German or an American or a Brit, and you same media, it's just a video, and put it on YouTube and, and have him say, I have come up with a chemical that can evaporate styrofoam like that. And then he just pours it and demonstrate, demonstrates, demonstrates it. How long do you think a video like that would go viral before some company buys up his formula and makes him a millionaire? Or he turns around and he sells it um, on Amazon or whatever. Get what I mean? So am I, am I excusing the fact that he was, you know, trying to sell a medicine that he knows harmed people? Um, no, I'm not excusing that. But I'm also kind of saying like he clearly, if he didn't shake it up, then he wouldn't have done that. I'm, 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 I'm happily joke. I'm partly joking. Um, but the point here, the bigger point, yeah, that I'm trying to make is we live in a reality that has programmed people towards a white supremacist mindset. And when I said what I said, which is basically what I've just said in the group chat, one of my friends um, responded this way. And he said, well, what do you, what do you think? Like, what is it about white, or not white supremacy, sorry. What, do you, what is it about European culture that allowed you know, the Europeans to kind of go into these different parts of the world, to Africa, to, you know, South America, to different regions and colonize them, right? Um, just across, just colonization across the entire world, Asia, you know, India. Um, what is it about European culture that allowed them to proliferate in the way that they have and to instill in people of color across the world this mindset of white supremacy. Now, I'm not stupid. When a person says something like that to me, and this person happens to be uh, a white person, I understand that whether they're conscious of it or not, there is a tribal mindset there. And the mindset basically speaks to the fact that they're saying, well, basically, I'm European. You know, the Europeans would not have been able to instill this mindset of white supremacy if they were not, you know, more powerful, more quote unquote evolved or whatever the fuck else um, white people are programmed to think. <laughs> um, because the uh, 
obviously white supremacy. It's a it's a mindset that serves them. And so I didn't take it personally because I understand that race, quote unquote race, there's only one race, one playable race uh, in this uh, simulated uh, reality. There's only one playable race and that's a human race and it just happens to come in different colors. And for some reason, the different colors have grouped together to call themselves races and they act like they're different species and have forgotten that we're all the same species. But that's besides the point. Um, but I understand the psychology behind race identification. It's like a team. Yeah. So it's basically, to me, I took it like um, a an Italian soccer fan asking me, like, what is so, what do you think was so why do you think that um France lost the World Cup in 2006 right if France was so great then why would they lose to Italy so there's like an Italian asking me that question and I'm French and completely ignoring the fact that Zidane was more or less antagonized by the Italian asshole and caused him to get evicted from the game. So if you gloss over that, um, then yes, you could argue that from an Italian perspective that the Italian soccer team was, you know, uh, superior to the French team or whatever. But there are other circumstances that cause that to happen and you can't just ignore that. And so that basically was the inspiration to this episode. So the great thing about questions is that if you get a question, regardless of whether or not it might be offensive, if you choose not to take offense to it and you allow the question to get your mind going, you can actually come up with answers that are paradigm shifting and life changing. That's why I love questions. And so when my friend asked me that question, rather than focusing on what his intent or lack thereof was, or taking it personally or just whatever, I sat back and I thought about the question and immediately came up with an answer. And the answer was in a form of a story. I love stories. Human beings love stories. It's the best way to deliver a message. Um, without bringing harm to the messenger. It's a good way to entertain, but also educate. So I love stories. And this was my response, my response to the friend. I said, imagine a world exactly like us, what we're going through right now, but an alternate timeline, a parallel universe, wherein instead of us beating this COVID-19 thing, the virus mutates and adapts. Now, according to the many world's interpretations, all realities, all realities are probable. So out there in the cosmos, in the quantum probability complex, I just made that up, um, <laughs> exists a reality, a multiverse where that does happen. Now imagine a very, very dark Possible probability where, and I know we were not going to experience this, but I just it's a story, so here we go. Okay, where 
indiscriminately, this virus mutates and wipes out two-thirds, two-thirds of the American population. So we have 300 million Americans right now plus, just for the sake of math, 200 million Americans die, leaving just 100 million Americans to defend themselves. And I mean indiscriminately. So yes, we have the weapons. We have, um, you know, nuclear war. Um, I'm sorry, we have nuclear weapons. We have, you know, missiles. We have a military. But if a virus comes in and wipes out two-thirds of people, there's really no way to rally up enough people to defend ourselves, even with a hundred million people left. Because one, you're, I mean, you're completely just decimating any structure that that nation ever had, right? So let's say I'm, let's say I'm completely, perfectly healthy, yeah, um, but something happened to everybody else, you know, outside of my family in my city, right? Or just a third of my entire city are left. Well, the police, the fires, you know, everything just gone. You'd be so busy trying to, you know, deal with the grief of it, the shock and everything like that, that you're not even thinking like what that means in the grander scheme, yeah? Now, imagine that for some reason, the Chinese were actually able to develop an immunity to this virus and it left them largely unaffected. All billion of them, there's over a billion Chinese right now, so it left them largely unaffected. So it's a billion of them and then just a hundred million of us. Now, imagine that their their government looks to the United States and sees what has happened and decides this would be an opportune time to come in and take over. And so they attack and destroy and decimate and bomb much of our infrastructure and then take over the United States, call it New China, New York turns to New Beijing, Los Angeles turns to New Wuhan. And the remaining, let's say, 50 million Americans of the remaining 50 million Americans, let's say 30 million of those are rounded up and sent to China as slaves. And once they get to China, and indiscriminately, same word, indiscriminately, people, all of the remaining, let's say 30 million that get sent to China, you have people from California mixed with people from Arkansas, mixed with people from Idaho, mixed with people from Oregon, and they're all shoved in to a shipping container all together. These are the survivors. 
and then they were sent off to Beijing and family members, the ones that didn't lose, you know, entire families, they then get separated. Yeah. And some of them get, you know, fathers get sent to Beijing, their phones are taken away. They have no way of ever contacting their family members again. And some fathers are sent to Beijing and some mothers are sent to, to, to Wuhan and um, children are separated. And then they start having not only them work in factories because the Chinese government just realizes, well, why should we make our workers work in factories when we can have these Americans become our slaves and work for free? So they put them in factories and separate them from their families and then perpetuate the system of slavery and turn it into a type of chattel slavery where now the people who are the factory workers are now being mated with other Americans so that their offsprings can be turned into slaves as well. If you're uncomfortable hearing this, good. It's uncomfortable for me to say it, but I'm going to carry on. So now you have a father, you know, who maybe had survived the first wave and now is in China with his wife. His wife gets separated and sent to another part of the, of the you know, country of China, never to see her again. And you have, so this father who was from Los Angeles gets paired with a, a woman from Arkansas and they're forced to mate and then their children are sold on an auction block sold on AliExpress to other factory owners and then these children are also raised to work in factories and the Chinese refuse to see the Americans as actual human beings and so for 500 years the Americans and then their descendants and their descendants are treated like cattle, only allowed to work in factories. And if they are, if, if they do try to escape in any way, shape or form, they are mutilated, they are branded, they are separated from their families. Okay, and this happens for... 500 years until for some reason or another one Chinese ruler realizes that one perhaps they could use a different technology instead of using human labor they could use the technology that they have and develop robots and two Americans are human, not just the Chinese, but Americans are also human and they are also deserving of their freedom. And he's saying that in a culture that has systemically imposed upon the descendants of the Americans that were taken after the first wave to China and separated, that system, that mindset of Chinese superiority is, is firmly instilled, not just amongst the Chinese people who enslave these people and make a profit off of the Americans, but in the Americans as well, and the children of the Americans who 
know that they're loosely from North America, but have no other understanding if they came from California, if their father came from California, or if their mother came from New York or Arkansas, or what it even means. Now, imagine, let's go back, in the same 500 years, the few people that are, the few Americans that are left in America are now subject to an an imperialist, uh, imperialism, an imperialistic um, society. So no longer able, they're no longer speaking English. They now have to learn, they now speak Mandarin. Their names are no longer Adam and Steve and Brittany, but Ming and Lee and Chan. So now they have Chinese names and they're speaking Chinese and they're acting Chinese and their culture is Chinese, even in their own continent and the people there who try to remember who they were and try to remember their culture and go to church. Same with the people who would be in China. The Americans who try to hold on to their Christianity in their own continent are told your God is a pagan God and you must worship Mao. Mao is a true God. And your culture is a savage culture and our culture is superior. Now, this goes on for 500 years. You have the descendants of the survivors of the first wave in China also having to now speak Chinese instead of English having to speak Mandarin, I should say, instead of English. And they're also told to forget about Christ because it's a pagan religion and to forget about their own culture because it's a savage culture compared to Chinese culture. And they're told you cannot eat your burgers and you cannot eat your pizza and you cannot eat your fries. You have to eat rice and noodles and pot stickers and all these other sort of, you know, staples of Chinese culture. And just like that, you completely erase in in just one, two generations, you completely erase the family ties, the cultural understanding, everything that made that person American, their language, their religion, their culture, their name, their heritage, and you imposed on them a foreign culture, a foreign name, a foreign religion, and you tell them that your culture, the American culture, is inferior. The American culture, the American religion is pagan. And the Americans were savages. The first generation would fight. The second generation would fight. The third generation would fight. The fourth generation would fight. Because there is always the sense of the human spirit to say, I am not. I am not inferior. 
You're a human being just like me. But after generations of programming, that inferiority complex into these survivors, you're left with a people who are hurt, angry, and confused. What do you think those Americans, both the ones that have been forced into factory labor, um, labor work, separated from their friends, separated from their loved ones after being decimated from a pandemic. How do you think they begin to feel? Think about it. Because you see, it's easy to sit and say, Europeans are superior. Europeans, Europeans rather, are supreme. Look at all the things that we accomplished Go read Guns, Germs, and Steel. He didn't accomplish, Europeans didn't accomplish anything. It was biological warfare and happenstance. Think about all the people right now, particularly in the far right, who are, you don't even have to think about it, just go on social media, read through comments who are looking for a finger or looking for a finger to point, looking for someone to blame. And they're all pointing at China. That anger, that feeling of being victimized. And nothing really has happened. I mean, yes, people have died and that's unfortunate. That is really unfortunate. But we are lucky enough. We are lucky enough that we caught it in time, that we, you know, quarantined in time. And most importantly, because some people have argued that the quarantine was not necessary, I'm not taking a stance either way because I have my opinions. I'm just not going to say it in this particular episode. You can listen to my past episodes to find out where I stand if it's that important. That's not the point. But that anger. And nothing has really happened. Now imagine a probable reality. It is a probable reality, guys. As in, all it takes is one wrong thing to happen. All it would have taken is one wrong thing to have happened back in February. The virus to just mutate in one way. Or just not catching it in time. And it doesn't even have to be a COVID thing. It could be something completely even more fucked up. And it happened to affect the United States, but not China. Put yourself in that mindset and start to think. Because that's what happened to the Native Americans. That is what happened to the South Americans. That's what happened to the Africans. That's what happened to literally every Aboriginal, indigenous culture that had the misfortune of interacting with European colonizers. Exactly what we're going through right now, except one thing was different. 
If you're having a hard time imagining a reality like that, then you're probably white because I'm living in a reality like that. Except it wasn't China and the United States. It wasn't China and America. It was Europe and Africa. So I'm speaking a language that my ancestors did not develop. Most of the food I eat is a food that my ancestors did not eat. And because of circumstances brought on by a pandemic that wiped out a lot of my ancestors causing the tide of history to shift in the favor of the European, I am now on a continent that my ancestors never stepped foot in. So when I see a video of a child, not a child, a young man, and he created a chemical that could could change the world, that could have changed the world. When I look at that and I'm watching that video, my mind flashes and imagines a world, a probable world, a probable reality that exists out there. It's an alternate timeline where Europeans didn't bring their disease to Africa or Africans had some sort of immunization, a natural immune defense against their diseases. That young man could have been a chemist. And now he's probably dead somewhere. It's not hard for me to imagine a reality where something like that happens. I'm living in that reality right now. It's not hard to imagine a world wherein another culture infects your culture and wipes out everything your history, your past. I'm lucky enough to be a Nigerian-American and to say I know exactly where I was born and raised. I can point it out to you on Google Maps. But to the many millions of African-Americans who don't, I feel for them. And if you are listening to this and you are a European-American, and you're feeling the sense, or you were feeling the sense, or you are feeling the sense of supremacy, European supremacy, 
take a step back and 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 think it's not hard for for nature to have changed things in a way where the tables flip it's happened we're living in a timeline where we're experiencing the consequences of a pandemic drastically altering the progress of other cultures. Somebody made a joke about how, it was a good joke, I liked it, about how um, in the movie uh, Black Panther, uh, Wakanda would have been uh, what Africa would have been like if we didn't interact or if we didn't interact with or weren't decimated by the germs that the Europeans brought along with their slavery and the colonization. I don't know if, you know, I could, I would take it to that extreme, but... It's amazing how a tiny, 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 tiny parasite alters all of history, at least in this, in this particular universe. One of the things that I love about the many world interpretations is that, one, it opens your mind to all the probabilities. Emotionally, psychologically, creatively makes you really think so all the people who are looking to blame china and that sense of you know you guys didn't control this and you allowed it to come over here and now look what it's done to our economy yeah no shit <laughs> i'm not laughing at that cuz i believe in american spirit i'm proud to be an African American. I am. The, the purpose of this story, and please don't look at the finger. Don't look at the finger that's pointing to the sky. Here, understand the intent of this story. It's to teach compassion. Understand the intent of this story. It's to teach compassion. What I love about quantum physics is it opens up your mind. I've said this before. I will repeat it. It opens up your mind. This isn't our only, this isn't the only universe. There are alternate timelines. There are parallel multiverses. And as you've known from my previous episodes, I use universe and multiverse interchangeably because I want to bring it to your fr- the forefront of your mind the fact that other universes do exist alternate timelines do exist and I want you to think in those terms now this is for my Africans that are listening to this my Nigerians that are listening to this Ibo, Kwenu take heart take heart 
Because here's the thing, the problem with white supremacy is that it's not just, it's two ways, it's a two-way street, right? White people, European people benefit from it, consciously or unconsciously. I mostly would say unconsciously, but they do live in a system where they, they do benefit from it. From the system of systemic white supremacy, European, I wouldn't even say white supremacy, I will say European supremacy with the understanding of all the things that it implies now we know that the you know the nazis nazism and all of that is the extreme levels of it but even discrimination within the culture of people of col- of color when they bring each other down that's also systemic white supremacy because whether it's Mexicans and Mexican Americans, I've talked to Mexican Americans, and they said, "Yeah, there's this weird crab in a bucket type syndrome where the way Mexicans treat each other versus the way they deal with, let's say, European Americans, it's different, and that has to change." You see, European supremacy, white supremacy, that mindset allows Europeans to benefit from something, but it's also detrimental to non-Europeans. It hurts everybody and benefits few. You see, when you look at a video of a kid inventing that has invented something that could potentially change the world and all you see is this black kid that's trying to make a dollar or make a naira and hurt and hurt people in the process that's white supremacy regardless of who is viewing the video a black person can be afflicted by white supremacy the mindset of white supremacy just just as much as a European. Asking a Mexican, asking an Asian, right? For example, in Asia, white skin is considered the most desirable, so much so that people, Asians, burn their skin, inject poisons into their veins to lighten their skin, change their nose, go through surgery, change their fucking eyelids to look more European. That's a mentality of white supremacy. That's an infection. That's a psychological infection of white supremacy. When you forgo your own culture... Because there's a part of you that's to- that believes that what you are is less than. And what a European is, is better than you. That is an... That is... That is a problem of a mindset of white supremacy. When you go to another nation and you bomb the fuck out of them under the guise 
of trying to deliver them freedom. And another person watches that happening and says, well, it's okay. That's a symptom of white supremacy. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. If you believe that it's okay for a European nation to invade and destroy another country and take from them what does not belong to them or what belongs to the other people that you're invading, if you believe that that's okay, you are infected and afflicted by mentality of white supremacy. So sit back and go back to the story that I'm telling you. This is the best time to tell such a story because well, we're in the midst of it. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. But just like now, everybody's like, you know, worried about what is this, what did this do? Just a short period of people being locked down and trying to control this. What is the, what are the long-term effects of only being shut down for two months going to have on this country? And economists are saying that it's going to take years for this, for people, for us, for, re, for all of us to recover from this. Not just the United States, by the way, but the whole entire world to recover from this because now we're all connected just for a two-month lockdown guys take yourself back in time and think about how the Native Americans felt because see when they told you the story of the Spanish bringing their germs. When they told you the story of the settlers intentionally taking their measles infected blankets and fucking giving it to the indigenous Americans. You never really sat and thought about the implications. It almost would be the same as like being told on the news that the Chinese were coughing into face masks and then shipping it to the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Now, take what we're going through, ramp that shit up, think of the worst case scenario, and that is what Africans experience, that's what Native Americans experience, that's what the freaking Aboriginals in Australia experienced, that's what the Pacific Islanders experienced, that's what the Hawaiians experienced. Yeah, that's what the African Americans experienced it's always funny to me and not funny haha just funny like that's fucked up how you know something will happen 
in the news and maybe and the news will post a picture. It's a black, you know, African-American uh, perpetrator. And then I go and I either watch to see how the story is presented or I read through the comments to see what people say and all the, oh, they're so violent, you know, look at them, another thug. And I just shake my head like, <laughs> must be nice. Must be nice. To have no awareness of history, <laughs> of consequence, of what happened to lead people, a whole race of people, a whole culture of people, to what we have now. And so, so after all of that, after all of that, we still have the Jordans and the Oprahs and the Will Smiths and Michelle Obama and Barack Obama. Still, we rise. Like, imagine the scenario that I told you about where a pandemic happens in the United States brought on by the Chinese intentionally infecting the United States. I'm saying this because I don't... Clearly, if you don't take this shit out of context, <laughs> and I'm intentionally breaking things up so that somebody can't create a soundbite off of what I'm saying. Um, in a parallel universe, something like that happens. Exactly what I said in the earlier part of this uh, this uh, episode. Yeah? Because the same thing happened, but it happened to basically every other fucking culture on this planet. Imagine 500 years from that point. And in China... And a descendant of an American who, whose family survived the pandemic was separated from their family that who did survive, who did survive rather, enslaved and forced to work in factories, branded, raped, mutilated, and half a century later rose to be the prime minister of China after all of that, if that shit doesn't make you proud, if that shit doesn't give you hope, if that shit doesn't put a smile on your face, if that shit doesn't say, yeah, fuck yeah, even after all of that, we're some survivors. I don't know what will, but it should. You should be proud of that. And I think other cultures who at this point in time are pulling each other down, you shouldn't and should not do that. I understand that we are all collectively suffering. All of us across the world are collectively suffering. White people, black people, Asians. Native Americans, we're all collectively suffering 
from an infection of systemic white supremacies. It's a mental affliction. It's a psychological affliction. But like Bob Marley said, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our mind. I love that song. All of us as a race, as a human race, in this timeline, in this multiverse, have something to offer. No matter where they are on this, on this planet, no matter where they're from, a good idea can come from Silicon Valley, but it can also come from Watts, California. It can also come from Bolivia. It can also come from Lagos. It can come from Senegal. It can come from Poland. We all have smartphones now. Our technology is the great equalizer. We can all work together towards helping the human race as a species thrive but the first step is to stop thinking that we are somehow superior to another person or inferior to another person it's just circumstance like I said earlier one tiny little microscopic parasite changed every one of our lives and the way we perceive reality now, a virus, a bacteria, a germ, disease, altered history, which means, which means, if you can imagine, there is a timeline out there, there is a multiverse out there where that didn't happen. And I guarantee you, humanity is thriving. We can thrive too, you know, now. Now, now is the age. This is the, this is, this has a potential. We control it. This has the potential to be the golden age. You have a smartphone. You have access, no matter where you are. I know that I have listeners for some reason, I'm trending in Italy. I don't know why. But, um, but I know I have listeners all over the entire world. Thank you for listening, as always. But go on YouTube. Learn some stuff. It's free. Anything you want to learn about. It's out there right now. Google Books. It's out there for free. You're not inferior. Despite what you've been programmed, your skin is beautiful. You are fucking smart. And not just race, even. Gender. Women. We can do this. Shake off the programming. You are not inferior. We are all equal. 
some civilizations got unlucky. Some civilizations had immune systems that were just not exposed to the right type of germs. And that's it. That is it. And another civilization took advantage of that. And that's what we have a consequence of that now. And it's okay. You can't change it. Everything happens for a reason, but you can learn from it. So fuck the racism, fuck the bigotry, fuck the self-condemnation, fuck the insecurity, fuck the infection of white supremacy, fuck the crabs in a bucket syndrome, fuck the inferiority complex. You're a human being. Anything is possible. Everything exists as a probability. And as a human being, as a conscious human being, you can manifest a better reality for all of us. you think that you can't affect change, positive change in the world, then you're mistaken because if a tiny little parasite called a virus can completely change the entire course of civilizations, an insignificant parasite that doesn't think, what can one human being do? for the greater good.